السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمد ونصلی علی رسوله الکریم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشیطان الرجیم بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي ربنا زدنا علما باب از البيعه على اقامه الصلاه but can someone make sure that a particular person is praying someone who's under their care someone who's a subject like for example the leader taking a promise from all those who are under him or a teacher taking a promise from her students or let's say the imam or let's say the parents or even a spouse because many times it happens that we are committed to doing something but when we promise other people then it just becomes easier to do it like for instance if you wish to listen to a particular lecture series all right on your own you want to do it you are committed to it however what happens you get lazy but if you have promised someone that i will be there for the class at this time on this day then what happens what happens you are able to do it it just helps you so albay'ati ala iqamati as-salah حدثنا محمد بن المثنى قال حدثنا يحيى قال حدثنا اسماعيل قال حدثنا قيس عن جرير بن عبد الله قال هي سيد بايعت اي pledged meaning i made a promise with who رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم i pledged my allegiance to him over what على اقامه الصلاه to establish the prayer وايتاء الزكاه and to give the zakah والنصح لكل مسلم and to be sincere and honest and well-wishing to who? To every Muslim. So Jareed bin Abdullah, when he became a Muslim, these are the three things that he promised the Prophet ﷺ. He pledged allegiance to him on doing all of these three things. If you look at it, salah, firstly, this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's haqq. And it is the exclusive right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is, you can say, at the top of all the physical acts of worship zakah this is allah's haq and also the haq of people nusr well wishing wan nusr li kulli muslim this is the right of who all the muslims so he made a promise that he would be sincere to all the muslims and there's a very interesting story about jareed bin abdullah that once he bought a horse from a man and that horse he paid a very little price for it it is said about only 1 dirham So when Jareed bin Abdullah, he bought the horse for one dirham, he rode the horse, he found the horse to be really good. And he said, this is more than a dirham. So he went back to the man and he gave him more money. He said, what you sold me is more than one dirham. So he gave him more money. He went back and he rode the horse again and he found the horse to be even better. So he said, it's worth more money. This is not right. I should give him more money. So he went and he gave him more money. and this kept happening until he had given him 100 to 200 dirhams why because he had promised the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that he would be sincere and well wishing to every muslim and he was being true to his promise when i heard the story i was amazed because we do the exact opposite what happens is that if we find something at a very little price we think that it's such a good deal we benefited a lot we want to suck out every possible benefit from the other even if the other is suffering but we see the exact opposite over here that he felt that the horse was worth more than 1 dirham he went and gave him more money again 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 because he was sincere to him so sincerity and well wishing it demands from a person that he wants for the other what he wants for himself the hadith what does it teach us that لا يؤمن أحدكم. None of you can truly believe until you love for your brother what you love for yourself. It wasn't just a verbal promise. He actually understood the depth of it and he applied it. He applied it to such a great extent that he didn't just go once, but he went repeatedly and kept giving more money until 100 to 200 dirham he had given. If you've made a commitment with someone, if you have to pay some money to someone, then delaying it, that is unfair. that we're only concerned about ourselves and we forget other people. Lowest price possible in everything. That when we are only concerned about ourselves, saving money, then what happens is that other people are suffering. Like for instance, if there is a fee even that we have to pay somewhere, we want it to be reduced and reduced and reduced for this reason, for that reason. Hmm? But we don't think about the fact that 
there are other people whose money is going into this. Right? Take the example of uh, a typical Islamic school. People think that it's a favor that they're doing if they're putting their children in an Islamic school and they want that. The fees should be very, very less, very little. They shouldn't have to pay anything in fact. But they don't realize that the teachers are earning less money, less money over here, just to be in an Islamic environment to help Muslim children and the parents want to pay even less money. Islamic education should be free. Right? Whether it's a weekend school or an Islamic school, whatever it may be. But we don't realize that we are being selfish over there. We're only thinking about ourselves. We should also think about others. That if, if someone is charging too much money for something, even that is what? Thinking only about their own profits. Right? Thinking only about their own earnings and not the need of the rest of the people. Bab as-salatu kafaratun. Prayer is expiation. Meaning it removes the sins of a person and brings Allah's forgiveness to him. حدثنا مسدد قال حدثنا يحيى عن الأعمش قال حدثني شقيق قال سمعت حذيفة قال كنا جلوسا عند عمر رضي الله عنه So he said that we were sitting with Umar رضي الله عنه فقال So he said meaning Umar رضي الله عنه said أيكم which of you يحفظ He remembers قول رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم The statement of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم في الفتنة concerning فتنة about فتنة What is فتنة? Trials. So which of you remembers the statement of the Prophet ﷺ concerning the trials? Qultu ana. I said I. Who? Who is I? Who's narrating this? Hudayfa. So Hudayfa anhu he said, I remember. Kama qalahu, just as he said it. Meaning exactly what the Prophet ﷺ said, I remember it, I've memorized it. Qala, Umar anhu said, Innaka indeed you alayhi on him, meaning the Prophet ﷺ about him, aw alayha or about it, meaning the statement. You are lajari, surely very bold, meaning you have the confidence to say it as he was said it, something that the Prophet ﷺ said. Qultu, I said, meaning Hudayfa anhu. Then he narrated that fitna rajuli. The Prophet ﷺ said that the fitna of a man, meaning the trial of a person fi ahlihi in regard to his family wamalihi and his wealth wawaladihi and his children wajarihi and his neighbor tukaffiruha it expiates it as-salatu the prayer was-sawmu and the fasting was-sadaqatu and the charity wal-amru wal-nahyu and commanding right and forbidding wrong so in other words the tests that a person experiences that he goes through in respect to his family his wealth his neighbors his children and he fails those tests, basically. Does it happen? All the time. We fail, meaning we fall short in our duty to all these people around us. So what is the kafara for that? What is the expiation for that? What do we learn from the statement of the Prophet uridu. This is not what I meant. Meaning this is not the kind of fitna that I was asking you about. وَلَكِنْ But الْفِتْنَةُ That fitna الَّتِي which تَمُوجُ It will it will surge like waves. كَمَا يَمُوجُ الْبَحْرُ Like the sea. You know, its waves, they surge and they collide into each other. So in other words, he said that I'm not asking about the fitna that people will suffer or the people suffer at a personal level, at an individual level. I'm talking about the fitna that will be at a much greater level. That will be like waves of the sea. What does it mean by that? That it will be prevalent everywhere. So basically he's talking about the times of great trial, the times of great fitna, in which there will be a lot of you know, clashes between people because what happens with the waves? They, they collide into each other, right? So he's talking about the times when there will be a lot of conflicts, a lot of differences, a lot of clashes between people, whether it is verbal or physical, political, and it will affect everyone, meaning everyone will be suffering because of it to some extent or the other. And also waves clashing into each other shows that people will be very verbal, meaning it's not just that people will keep their feelings to themselves, but one person will say one thing, another will oppose him. So... Uh, you know, heated debates and differences turning into physical conflicts. Basically, the fitna that we see around us and the fitna that we have known to have existed since the time of Uthman. So he said, this is the kind of fitna that I'm asking you about. 
قال Meaning, you don't need to worry about it, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, O leader of the believers. Because, inna indeed, baynaka between you, wa baynaha, and between it, baban, there is a door that is mughlaqan, that is closed. Between you and that fitna, that great fitna that will happen, there is a closed door between it. What does it mean? That it's not going to happen in your lifetime. So you don't need to worry about it, O Umar anhu. Qala, he said, Umar anhu said, ayuksaru, will it be broken? He's referring to the door. That you're saying there's a closed door between me and the fitna. Will that door be broken? Am yuftahu? Or will it be opened? Qala, he said, yuksaru. It will be broken. Because this is what the Prophet ﷺ had informed Hudayfa anhu about. Qala, Umar anhu said, Idan then la yughlaqu abadan. It will never close ever. Meaning after that, that door will never close. Why? Because if a door is opened, then you can shut it. But if a door is broken, then how can you close it? You can't. So in other words, he's saying that then when that fitna will begin, it will never end. And this is true. That since the death of Umar anhu, the way the ummah was shaken, the instability that has been there since that time, it has not ended till today. It's only gotten worse. Meaning that the fitna will only increase, then the storm will only intensify. We said, So who is we over here? Those people who heard this hadith from Hudayfa. So who is it that heard this hadith from Hudayfa? Shaqiq. So Shaqiq is saying that we said to who? To Hudayfa. Did Umar, did he know Al-Baba, the door, meaning who the door is referring to? Hudayfa said, of course, yes, he knew what the door was referring to. Kama, just as Anna Just as duna after al-ghad, tomorrow is al-layla, the night. Meaning just as a person knows that after tomorrow will be night. Meaning the day will be followed by night. So just like that, Umar who knew who the door was referring to. إِنِّي حَدَّثْتُهُ بِحَدِيثٍ لَيْسَ بِالْأَغَالِيُّ I narrated to him a hadith in which there were no false things, meaning it was 100% true. فَهِبْنَا أَنْ نَسْأَلَ حُدَيْفَةِ Shaqiq said, we were afraid to ask Hudayfa. فَأَمَرْنَا مَسْرُوقًا So, Masruq told us, فَسَأَلَهُ So we ordered Masruq to ask Hudayfa. So فَسَأَلَهُ So he asked him, that who is that door? فَقَالَ أَلْبَابُ Umar. He said, the door is Umar. And this is why we see that Umar anhu, he was killed, right? He was martyred. So the door was broken. It wasn't opened, it was broken. And what happened after the death of Umar anhu when he was killed? Uthman anhu became the Khalifa. But since then, the disunity, how the Ummah has been unstable, it has never become stable after that. Because one fitna after the other. One great trial after the other. And literally it is like the waves of the sea. Waves of the sea. And the waves, scholars have said it refers to the speech of people, their propaganda, what they say. Because many times what happens? People are motivated by what others said or what others say. Like, think about the incident of Ifq, the slander against Aisha anha. What was it all about? It was about what one person said and the qawl, the statement, what happened? It just sparked a fire literally. And everyone was affected by that. So this is why the scholars have said that when there is a lot of fitna and people are talking a lot, then only say something if it is going to calm the situation, if it's going to better the situation. And if you know that it's not going to get any better, even if you say something, then what's best? That you remain silent. Which is why we see that many companions, what happened at this time of fitna? They just retreated. They kept to themselves. Ibn Umar anhu didn't get involved in politics at all. He didn't say much. Why? Because he knew that it wasn't going to make a difference. People are too, you know, emotional at this stage. So in such a situation, there's no point saying something. And this teaches us another lesson that, you know, at a smaller level, within a small community or a place where people are working together, if there is fitna going on, then either say something that will put an end to that fitna or remain silent. Remain silent. Why? Because if you're going to talk, it's only going to add fuel to the fire. It's only going to spread more lies, more rumors. Right? So in this situation, it's better to remain silent. So in this hadith, what do we see? That the fitna of a man 
meaning his sins, the tests that he fails when he deals with his family, with his children, with his neighbors, then what is a kafara for that? Salah. Like one of the companions, he asked the Prophet I'm really afraid because of my tongue. I have a very sharp tongue with my family. And it happens that outside we're really good, but when it comes to dealing with our children, sometimes we have a very sharp tongue. Or talking to our husband, sometimes we have a very sharp tongue. So it happens, people fail. So what's the kafara for that? Constant istighfar and performance of righteous deeds. Which righteous deeds? Those that are mentioned over here. So this is the virtue of salah. That it expiates minor sins. حدثنا قتيبة قال حدثنا يزيد بن زريع عن سليمان التيمي عن أبي عثمان النهدي عن ابن مسعود أن رجلا در أمان أصاب من امرأة قبلة در أمان أصاب he reached من from امرأة a woman قبلة a kiss meaning a non-mahram woman a non-related woman what happened to this man he ended up receiving a kiss from her meaning there was some physical contact between the two فَأَتَنَّ نَبِيَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمُ So he came to the Prophet صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمُ فَأَخْبَرَهُ So he told him because obviously his heart reproached him that what happened over here? فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ So Allah revealed أَقِمِ الصَّلَاةَ الطَّرَفَ يِنَّهَارِ وَزُلَفًا مِنَ اللَّيْلِ إِنَّ الْحَسَنَاتِ يُذْهِبْنَ السَّيِّئَاتِ That established the prayer when at the two ends of the day and a portion of the night because indeed good deeds they erase bad deeds. فَقَالَ الرَّجُلُ So the man said, يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهُ O Messenger of Allah, أَلِي هَذَا Is this only for me? قَالَ He said, لِجَمِيرِ أُمَّتِي كُلِّهِمْ That no, this is for all of my ummah, for every single member of my ummah. Their salah, their regular prayers, their good deeds, what will they do? Erase their bad deeds. Now what do we see over here? That the man, he was not an ordinary man, he was a sahabi of the Prophet ﷺ. A companion of the Prophet ﷺ. But what happened? He ended up fondling with a woman to such an extent that she kissed him. This wasn't zina. This wasn't zina. It was only a kiss. And it seems like it happened accidentally. Because you see, أَصَابَ مِنَ امْرَأَةٍ It's as though the woman is being blamed for it. Not that it was entirely her fault, because what can a woman do if the man doesn't agree? But it seems like he didn't intend this, but it happened. He didn't deliberately do this. It accidentally happened. So, it accidentally happened. And this this teaches us many things. First of all, that a kiss between a non-mahram man and woman is a sin, but it is not a major sin. It is a sin, but it is not a major sin. Because we know that major sins, they're only forgiven when? When a person does tawbah. Right? Minor sins are forgiven by the performance of good deeds. In al-hasanat yudhibna sayyat. Which sayyat are these? Minor sins, not major sins. So, if it was a major sin, then this ayah would not have been revealed over there. Something else would have been mentioned. All right. So, it's not a major sin. However, this doesn't mean that it is allowed. Okay. Because some people might say, "Oh, look, it's not a major sin. He wasn't punished." No, but it is still a sin. It is definitely a sin. And remember that this didn't happen deliberately. It happened accidentally. So there is a difference between that. And we should remember it. And also one more thing that we see here is that minor sins are forgiven by what? Salah. But notice the ayah, أَقِيمِ salata. Establish the prayer. They are forgiven by what? إِقَامَةُ salah. And there is a difference between just praying salah and Performing the salah properly, establishing the salah. What is establishing the salah? Performing the salah with, you know, fulfilling all of the shurut, the arkan, the wajibat, all of the conditions, the main pillars, and all the obligations, not leaving anything of that out. So, when a person performs salah in that manner, then his minor sins are forgiven. And when a person will establish the prayer properly, then what will happen? It will stop a person from indecency and wrong. And after all, he's a human being. So if a sin does happen accidentally, by mistake, then the good deeds will erase that, inshallah. The excellence of performing the prayer when liwaktiha. Lam over here is of love. So what does it mean? At its time. Meaning at its proper time. 
So what is the reward of performing the prayer at its proper time? What's the benefit? What's the virtue? And لِوَقْتِهَا has been said. Imam Bukhari did not write فِي أَوَّلِ وَقْتِهَا Because we know that there is a particular time frame that is allotted to every salah, to each salah. And for certain prayers, the best time is which one? Right at the onset, right? Of that time frame, meaning as soon as the time begins. And for other prayers, what's the best time? Later. Like for instance, Isha and Zuhur. Right? When it's hot. So, this is why Imam Bukhari wrote, فَضْلِ الصَّلَاةِ لِوَقْتِهَا Performing the prayer at its proper time, meaning at its best time. Within the time frame. Within the time frame. حدثنا أبو الوليد هشام بن عبد الملك قال حدثنا شعبة قال الوليد بن العزاري أخبرني قال سمعت أبا عمرو الشيباني يقول حدثنا صاحب هذه الدار he said that حدثنا صاحب هذه الدار the owner of this house the person who lives in this house he told us he informed us وأشار and he indicated إلى داري to the house of عبد الله to the house of Abdullah. So in other words, he's talking about Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. That he is the one who told me. The house must have been nearby, so that's why he pointed towards that. Qala, he said, meaning Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he said, that سَأَلْتُ النَّبِيَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ I asked the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, أَيُّ الْعَمَلِي Which deed أَحَبُّ إِلَى اللَّهِ is most beloved to Allah? Which good deed is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the most? Qala, he replied, As-salatu ala waqtiha. Performing the prayer at its proper time. Qala, Ibn Mas'ud said, Thumma ayyu, then which one? Qala, he said, Thumma birul walidain. Then, being dutiful to your parents. That's the most beloved deed after salah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Qala, he said, Thumma ayyu, then which one? Qala, he said, Al-jihad fi sabilillah. Striving in the way of Allah. Qala, Ibn Mas'ud said, حَدَّثَنِي بِهِنَّ He told me about these. وَلَوْ And if إِسْتَزَتُّهُ I asked more from him, لَزَادَنِي Surely he would have given me more. Meaning if I had asked him about more, about other deeds which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes, I'm sure the Prophet ﷺ would have informed me. However, Ibn Mas'ud stopped after three. Why? Hmm? Practice this first. Okay, good. Why else? A lot has been mentioned, so deal with this before you move on to something else. What else? Why else do you think he stopped after three questions? Out of respect for the Prophet ﷺ. Because many times it happens that you're asking someone for something, you're requesting something from them, you're demanding something from them, and they will respond, they will give you. Like for example, a mother is being asked by her 20-year-old daughter, Mom, can you please pour dinner for me? She pours it. And then, mom, can I please have a glass of water? The mother will bring it. Mom, can you please pass this to me? Mom, can I please have this? The mother will give it. Because she's a mother after all, right? But out of respect, the daughter should stop at some point. Why? Because it's not good to take advantage of other people. That just because they're listening to me, just because they're answering, they're fulfilling every request of mine, I shouldn't keep demanding from them. I should also be considerate of their needs. Because... Sometimes it happens that, for instance, a scholar, he's being asked questions. One after the other, after the other, after the other. And they're exhausted. And they say that I need a break as well. But people don't leave them even in their break time. They will go and ask questions from them. And they will respond. Why? Out of the fear that on the Day of Judgment, out of fear of Allah, they will keep answering. And people have no respect for them. They're not considerate of their needs at all. And many times it happens that excessive questioning is based upon what? Hypothetical situations. And many times you're not even going to come across it. Or you heard something, you heard about another, something that the scholar mentioned, you know, it reminded you of something. But is it really something that you're going to act upon? If you're concerned about Amal, he lectured you already for three hours, for two hours. You focus on that. Right? So Ibn Mas'ud, he asked the Prophet ﷺ about a deed that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves best. Then he asked him about another one. He asked him about another one. And he knew that if he asked him more, he would have responded. But he stopped there. Out of respect for the Prophet ﷺ. So we need to remember this in our daily life as well. That some people, they listen to everything that you ask of them. Can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? But don't take advantage of them. Don't use them to the point that they 
get tired and exhausted. Praying salah is something that people already do. Being good to parents, yes. Striving to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But these answers that the Prophet ﷺ gave, they motivate you to improve what you're doing already. If someone makes themselves available, they say that I am available here right now. If you have any questions to ask, come and ask. Then take advantage, definitely. But if you see that they are getting ready to go, then hold off. right? Hold on until, until later, inshallah. Now we see over here that the best good deed is which one? Rather, the deed most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is which one? As-salah ala waqtiha. As-salah ala waqtiha. Why do you think so? What's the reason behind that? This shows that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes certain deeds, certain people, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. Loves who? Certain actions, certain times, certain places, certain people who possess certain characteristics. So this is an action that Allah loves best, most. Why do you think so? What's the reason? Yes, definitely. But ala waqtiha. Why do you think Allah loves this action? You're talking about the benefits. Musa alayhi salam, right? وَعَجِلْتُ إِلَيْكَ رَبِّ لِتَرْضَى It makes Allah happy when a person responds to his call immediately. Think about it. What are we? Nothing. And if we call someone and they respond the first time, how do we feel? Great. It makes us happy. Anything, whether it's you're calling your child or you're sending a message to someone or you're, or you're calling them on their phone and they pick up immediately, they respond immediately, it's a really good feeling. You like it. We are only human beings. Because you see, a person will only respond to the call to prayer when he likes that, when he loves that. So when a person will show his love to Allah, then Allah will also love him. يُحِبُّهُمْ وَيُحِبُّونَ Then Allah loves them and they love Allah too. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves this deed. Performing the prayer at its best time, at its proper time. And the next good deed is which one? بِرُّ الْوَالِدَيْنِ Because if a person is good towards his parents, then he is acknowledging their many favors. And if a person will be dutiful to his parents, then he will be dutiful to Allah as well. Because after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whose ihsan is greatest on us? After Allah and His Messenger, whose ihsan is greatest on us? Even before the husband, it's the parents. The husband can provide you, but the parents provided you and did your tarbiyah and taught you. The husband can encourage you, but the parents, they put that self-esteem, that self-respect, that motivation, you know, your values, your good morals, they put that in you. So, the greatest ihsan on us is from who? From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And after Allah and His Messenger, our parents. So if a person will be dutiful to the parents, he will be dutiful to Allah. Al-jihadu fi sabilillah. Then the next thing is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves al-jihadu fi sabilillah. Because striving in the way of Allah, remember it's of two kinds, right? One is through, with weapons, and the other is with ilm and nafs and lisan. So when a person strives in the way of Allah to worship Him, to serve his deen, to spread his deen, what does it show? That a person loves the religion of Allah more than himself. So when a person will show his love to Allah like this, then Allah will also love him and what he does. Then Bab As-Salawat Al-Khamsu Kafara. The five prayers are expiation. Meaning not just salah in general, because earlier we learned As-Salatu Kafara. Salah is Kafara. But over here we learned that the five prayers in particular. So the fard, the wajib prayers, they are also a kafara. Haddathana Ibrahim ibn Hamzata qala haddathani ibn Abi Hazimin waddara wardiyu an yazida an Muhammad ibn Ibrahima an Abi Salamat ibn Abdurrahman an Abi Hurairah anahu sami'a Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yaqul ara'aytum, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, have you ever thought, have you ever considered, tell me, law anna, if indeed, Naharan, if there was a river, bibabi ahadikum, at the door of one of you, yaghtasilu fihi, he washes himself in it, he takes a bath in it, kulla yawmin, every day, khamsan, five times. Ma taqulu, what do you say? Thalika, that, yubqi min daranihi, it would leave 
min daranihi from his filth and dirt. Daran is dirt and filth. Meaning, what do you think? How much dirt would be left on his body? Would there be any dirt left on his body? Qalu, they said, لا يبقي من دارانه شيئاً Nothing of his dirt would remain. Qala, he said, فَذَلِكَ So that is مِثْلُ الصَّلَوَاتِ الْخَمْسِ The description, the example of the five prayers. يَمْحُ اللَّهُ بِهَا الْخَطَايَا Allah wipes out because of them الْخَطَايَا, the sins. Because sins, we keep committing them. And the five daily prayers, they keep washing and washing and cleaning a person. He goes and gets dirty. And what happens? He comes and performs a salah, takes a bath, he's clean again. He goes, gets dirty again, washes up, and by the end of the day, he's clean. The next day, same thing. So with each prayer, what happens? The sins of a person are washed away. Which sins are these? Minor sins. Because the major sins, we know that. For them, a person has to do tawbah and he has to seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also remember that the five daily prayers... Continue to clean and wash away a person from his sins. This will only happen when he will stay away from major sins. Because what do we learn in the Quran? In tajdanibu kabaira ma tunhauna anhu. If you abstain, if you keep away from the major sins, then what will happen? Nukafir ankum sayyatikum. So there is a condition that major sins have to be avoided. Lying is a major sin. Ghiba is a major sin. So we have to keep away from these things if we want our salah to clean us and purify us. But one of the sisters, she said that the entire month of Ramadan she was making dua to Allah if she could find a house next to a river, a ravine. We all want that. She didn't get that. And after a year, she found a house next to a masjid. So this is exactly what we learn over here. That praying the salah five times, it's as good as washing yourself in a river five times a day. There would be no dirt left on your body. Bab tadhir salati an waqtiha. Tadhir salati. What does tadhir mean? To waste. So wasting the prayer. Wasting the prayer. And what it means by that is that a person is performing the prayer but he's not getting much benefit out of it. Because tadhir salat is of many different kinds. Like for example, if a person is praying salah, and he doesn't have tumatnina, meaning he doesn't have that calmness, so he doesn't stop at every step. He doesn't pause properly, he doesn't stop properly, he doesn't become still in rukur. Rather, he just goes down and gets up immediately. He goes into sajda gets up immediately. So this is lack of tumatnina. Lack of tumatnina, that is also tadir salah. Because the worst theft is which one? The theft of prayer. And what is the theft of prayer? This, that a person doesn't perform the pillars, the arkan, properly. Right? He falls short in performing them properly. Likewise, tadir salah is, for instance, if a person made a mistake in the prayer, or for instance, he's confused whether he prayed three or four, and he's like, forget it, I'll just finish like that. And he doesn't fix the prayer, or he doesn't perform the sajda sahu at the end, then that is also tadir salah. Why? Because he is praying the salah, but at the end he's not getting the same result the result that he had intended, the result that he had wanted, the result that he could have received, the reward that he could have received. So he's wasting the prayer. It's like you have an hour to study, an entire hour. But what happens? You just sit there staring at the wall. You just sit there thinking about something. Aren't you wasting that time? You could have gotten so much out of that hour, but you didn't. You neglected the hour. So when you neglected it, you wasted it. You didn't get the right advantage out of it that you could have gotten. So, تَضْيِعِ الصَّلَاةِ عَنْ وَقْتِهَا Wasting the prayer عَنْ وَقْتِهَا from its proper time. Meaning, delaying the prayer. Delaying the prayer, either performing it very late or performing it after its proper time. Because remember that there is a time frame for every salah, right? The best is that you pray immediately. But for some prayers we know that it's best to pray after some time. But if a person delays until the last moments, so 20 minutes before Maghrib, he's praying Asr. Five minutes before Fajr ends, he's praying Fajr. If this is a regular habit, although technically his prayer will be valid, but if it's a regular habit, then what will happen? Eventually a time will come when he will miss Fajr, when he will miss Asr, when Zuhur will be delayed completely. 
So tadhir is salati an waqtiha. In Surah Marimah 59 we learn, فَخَلَفَ مِن بَعْدِهِمْ خَلْفٌ أَضَاعُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَاتَّبَعُوا الشَّهَوَاتِ فَسَوْفَ يَلْقَوْنَ غَيَّةٌ But there came after them successors who neglected the prayer and pursued desires. Because it's only when we pursue our desires that we neglect the prayers. So they are going to meet evil, meaning they are going to suffer punishment. So تَضِيعُ الصَّلَاةِ عَنْ وَقْتِهَا حدثنا موسى بن إسماعيل قال حدثنا مهدي عن غيلان عن أنس قال أنس ضلوا عنه said ما أعرف شيئا I don't see anything مما from that which كان it used to be على عهد النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم at the time of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم meaning all those good things that were practiced at the time of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم I don't see any of them today things have gotten so Bad that all those good practices, they've faded, they've disappeared, they've gone. Anas who was of those companions who lived a long time after the death of the Prophet He died at a very old age, right? So he said that I don't see anything that was practiced at the time of the Prophet Qila, it was said, As-salah, the salah. Meaning, why are you saying that? People pray. We pray in Jama'ah, we pray at the masjid, the adhan is pronounced, the imam leads the prayer, the prayer is practiced. Qala, he said, أَلَيْسَ ضَيَّعْتُمْ مَا ضَيَّعْتُمْ فِيهَا He said, have you not wasted the prayer? Look at how you've wasted it. You have neglected the prayer. This has also been narrated as, أَلَيْسَ صَنَعْتُمْ Meaning, haven't you done to the prayer what you have done to it? And what is it that the people had done to it? that they would delay the prayer. They wouldn't pray at its best time, at the awwal time. They would defer it. And we learn about this, that Umar bin Abdul Aziz, remember when he was a Khalifa, and one day he deferred the prayer, Urwa. He came, right? And he said to him, what is this? Why are you deferring the prayer? So then he told him the hadith, in which we learn that Jibreel, he came to the Prophet ﷺ and he showed him at what time to pray, what time to pray, what time to pray. So that showed that the times are fixed and it's best to pray as soon as the time enters. So this was a practice at that time, unfortunately, that the leaders, when they would establish the prayer in the masjid, they wouldn't do it at its best time. Rather, they would delay it and defer it. How much? Inshallah, we'll learn about that after the next hadith. حدثنا عمر بن زرارة قال أخبرنا عبد الواحد بن واصل أبو عبيدة الحداد عن عثمان بن أبي رواد أخي عبد العزيز قال he said سمعت الزهرية يقول he was saying دخلت على أنس بن مالك he said I came to Anas ibn Malik where be Dimashq at Dimashq at Damascus وهو يبكي and he was crying فقلت so I said ما يبكيك what causes you to cry فَقَالَ So he said, لَا أَعْرِفُ شَيْئًا مِمَّا أَدْرَكْتُ إِلَّا هَذِهِ الصَّلَاةِ He said, I do not see anything from that which I saw before. Meaning, what I saw at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, I hardly see anything of that prevalent today. إِلَّا except هَذِهِ الصَّلَاةِ This prayer. وَهَذِهِ الصَّلَاةُ And this prayer, قَدْ ضُيِّعَتْ It has been wasted. Why? Because it has been delayed from its proper time. So this is why he was crying. He was missing the good old times. وَقَالَ بَكْرٌ حَدَّثَنَا مُحَمَدُ بْنُ بَكْرٍ الْبُرْسَانِيُّ أَخْبَرَنَا عُثْمَانُ بْنُ أَبِي رَوَّادٍ نَحْوَهُ Now we see that it was the practice of some leaders of the Muslims at that time that they would defer the prayer. For example, we learned that Hajjad bin Yusuf, he would habitually delay the prayer from its afdal time. And sometimes he would even establish the prayer after its proper time. For instance, we learned that Atah, he said that once he went for Jumu'ah Salah. And the leader at that time, Walid, he did not begin the Jumu'ah Salah until it was very late. So late that he said, Atah said, I came, I prayed my Zuhur. Because I was afraid that if I didn't pray, I would miss my Zuhur completely. And then he sat down for the khutbah. The khutbah was going on, on, on. The time of Zuhur ended. So Atah said, I got up and prayed my Asr. And then I sat down again. And then eventually... Walid, the leader at that time, he established Jum'ah Salah. After the time had ended. Now you may wonder, why did Atat do that? Why was he even there? Because he was afraid that if he didn't go, he would be killed. Because there was a lot of persecution. So this is a fitna basically. 
that started after the time of Umar radiallahu So this was a practice at that time that people would defer the prayer. They would delay it, delay it from its proper time. So much so that even in the masajid, it wasn't, the salah was not prayed at its right time. Now we know that there is a window. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed for us to pray at any time within that time frame. The best is what? Ala waqtiha, meaning as soon as the time begins. For some prayers, we see that it's best to delay. Which ones? Zuhur and Isha. And other prayers, if there is a genuine reason to defer the salah, but within the time frame, you can do that. But it should not be the habit of a person that he is constantly praying late, late, late. Because what will happen? If he does that, he will eventually miss the proper time. Bab al-musalli yunaji rabbahu azza wa jal. Al-musalli, the person who is praying, he yunaji rabbahu. He is in close conversation with his Lord, the mighty and exalted. Why does Imam Bukhari mention this? Why? Because think about it. In prayer, you are conversing with your Lord. It's an appointment that you have with your Lord. So don't delay it. If someone tells you, come and see me between 2 and 3, and you come to them at 2.59, is that polite? It's not polite at all. If you come at 2.55, and you have just 5 minutes to speak to them, is that polite? No. They gave you a whole hour, and you come so late. It's rude. It is rude to do that. It's impolite. Why? Because they've been waiting for you. And when you will come now, you are going to be rushed. You're not going to speak to them properly. Or you're not going to speak to them at all. Like for instance, if we have an appointment and we don't show up, then what happens? That entire time is wasted. Not just yours, but the doctor and the receptionist and another person who could have seen the doctor at that time. So it's rude. It's unfair. You're being unfair with yourself and so many other people, right? When we delay an appointment, when we miss it. So, Bab al-Musalli yunaji rabbahu azza wa jal. This is why a person must rush to the prayer as soon as the time comes in. And he should not delay it unless there is a genuine reason to do so. حدثنا مسلم بن إبراهيم قال حدثنا هشام عن قتادة عن أنس قال قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إن أحدكم إذا صلى when one of you prays يناجي ربه he actually talks to his lord he's conversing with his lord فلا يتفلن that he should not spit عن يمينه to his right because it's very impolite that you're talking to someone and you start spitting on your right side وَلَكِنْ تَحْتَ قَدَمِهِ الْيُسْرَى And if there is an urgent need to do so, then he should only spit where? Under his left foot. وَقَالَ سَعِيدٌ عَنْ قَتَادَةَ لَا يَتْفِلُ قُدَّامَهُ He should not spit قُدَّامَهُ in front of him أو بين يديه or before him. وَلَكِنْ عَنْ يَسَارِهِ أو تَحْتَ قَدَمَيْهِ Or rather he should do so on his left or under his feet. وَقَالَ شُعْبَةُ لَا يَبْزُقُ بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ وَلَا عَنْ يَمِينِهِ He should not spit to his front, nor to his right, ولكن عن يساره, but on his left, أو تحت قدمه, or under his foot. وقال حميد عن أنس عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يبزق في القبلة. He should not spit in the direction of the qibla, ولا عن يمينه, nor on his right, ولكن عن يساره, أو تحت قدمه, but on his left or under his foot. We have read these hadith in detail earlier, but what do we see here? That the fact that the Prophet ﷺ did not allow us to spit in front of ourselves when we were praying, and you see different words have been used, قُدَّام, بَيْنَ يَدَيْ, فِي الْقِبْلَ What does it show? That his Lord is before him, he is going to speak to his Lord, so he should not delay the meeting. Rather, he should come immediately. Like Musa ﷺ, وَعَجِيلْتُ إِلَيْكَ رَبِّي لِتَضْبَى Now what is this conversation, Yunaji? Yunaji is from Munajat. And Munajat is what? A conversation that is sirri, that is like secret. So you're whispering to someone. And it means that you're whispering to them and they are responding to you. It's not one-sided. It's both-sided. So that two people are having a conversation and a third doesn't know. Okay, A third doesn't know what they're talking about because he cannot hear them. So in prayer, what happens? In the hadith of Sahih Muslim, Abu Hurairah, he narrated that when a person is praying salah and you recite Surah Al-Fatiha, 
Then what happens? When he recites, Allah responds. When he says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Allah says, Hamidani Abdi. My servant has praised me. At the end, when we make dua to Allah, asking Him for guidance for the straight path, then what happens? Allah says, Wali Abdi, Masa'al, my servant shall have what he asked for. Nobody hears this conversation. Because it is munajat. It is a private, secret conversation. So, take time to talk to your Lord. Don't rush through this conversation and make sure that you come on time so that you can have this conversation comfortably. Anas wept that people paid attention only to salah. And now, even that they're wasting. How? That either they're delaying it or they're rushing through it, they're not benefiting from it, they're not really talking to their Lord. And also for a worldly appointment, if it's with a doctor or something, we always want that the doctor should give time to us. That we hate rushed appointments. People think about switching doctors if their doctor is always in a rush. Because some doctors, what do they do? They come, they check, they say, any questions? Okay, no questions, see you next time. Right? And if you ever have such appointments, you're like, this doctor is useless. I mean, they're not helping me. So what happens? And people want to switch to someone else who will actually listen to them and explain things to them and give time to them. And think about it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will listen to you as much as you want to talk to him. He will respond to you as long as you ask him. But if we're not even asking, we're not even talking, then how is that fair? Then how can we ever complain that this is going bad in our life and this is not working fine and I'm not happy? We have no right to complain. I remember somebody was telling me about their obstetrician, that how she was always rushing through their gynecologist, that how she was always rushing through their appointments. Always. And she felt very unsettled after each appointment. So she said, this is not right. So she had to switch. She wanted to. I don't know if she got to or not, but she wanted to because she wasn't satisfied. Because the doctor was always in a rush. Always in a rush. But if you have a doctor who will actually ask you and, and explain things to you, and if they're giving you something to read, they tell you to read it and then ask any questions that you may have, you feel very settled. Because you spent time. So there is a difference between a prayer that is rushed and a prayer that you perform, you know, with ease and you give time to it. You'll have a different feeling at the end. One is that you're getting over the salah. Then each salah will be like a burden. And the other is that you perform the salah. Then you cannot wait for the next prayer. When you remember Allah in good times, He will remember you in bad times. Right? When you take time to perform the salah properly in good times, then in difficult times, Allah will help you. But what happens? We forget Him in good times and in bad times, then we pray long prayers. فَذُو دُعَا in So this is something that we should remember and focus on. You know, every week set targets for yourself. Between each Bukhari class, set a goal for yourself. that Now this week, I'm going to focus on this. So this week our focus should be improving the salah how? By praying it on time as soon as the time enters. And secondly, by giving time to the prayer. Because it's a meeting with Allah. And you don't want a rushed meeting. Nobody likes a rushed meeting. Because a rushed meeting is like a burden. That when you want to speak to Allah, then you pray salah. And when you want to listen to Allah, then recite the Qur'an. And if you combine the two, meaning in your salah you recite the Qur'an, then that's the best meeting that you can have. حدثنا حفص بن عمر قال حدثنا يزيد بن إبراهيم قال حدثنا قتادة عن أنس عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال اعتدلوا في السجود The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said be correct in your prostrations when you're doing sajda اعتدلوا meaning your back should be straight not that you are you know lying down on the floor with your head on the floor اعتدلوا في السجود ولا يبسط and none of you should spread out ذراعيه his forearms, kalkalbi, like the dog. A dog, when it sits, how does it sit? Its forearms are touching the floor. Right? So none of you should do sajda like that. Rather, how should the sajda be? On your palms. On your palms, and your arms should be up. And remember that your palms should be straight. They should be touching the floor, all of it, entirely. Because sometimes we just place our hands on the floor so that our fingertips are touching and the bottom is touching, and that's it. But remember that the hand should be 
straight, the palms should be touching. And you will notice a difference in your sajda. When your back is straight and your palms are touching, your posture, the way your your body will stretch and relax, it's amazing. So, وَلَا يَبْسُطْ ذُرَاعَيْهِكَ الْكَلْبِ وَإِذَا بَزَقَ And when he needs to spit, فَلَا يَبْزُقَنَّ بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ وَلَا عَنْ يَمِينِهِ That he should not spit in front of him, nor on his right. فَإِنَّهُ يُنَاجِ رَبَّهُ Because indeed he is conversing with his Lord. باب الْإِبْرَادِ بِالظُّهْرِ فِي شِدَّةِ الْحَرِّ الْإِبْرَاد What does إِبْرَاد mean? It's from برد. And what does برد mean? When something is cold, right? So إِبْرَاد is to make cold. This is what the word literally means. And what it means over here, الْإِبْرَادِ بِالظُّهْرِ is to wait until the day cools down. Because at the time of ظُهْر, when the sun is up, and we're talking about you know, countries where it's really hot, like for example, if you go for Umrah, right before ظُهْر, if you ever go for tawaf, you will find that the mataf is empty. You'll be able to perform tawaf very easily. Why? Because it's so hot that people cannot even come all the way to the haram and walk there. Even tawaf. They find it very difficult. So some people, they actually wait for that time so that they can go for tawaf. Because the sun is extremely hot. Literally people are going around you know, with water bottles and, and they will spray on each other. Why? So that people can cool down. So al-ibrad bil-zuhri meaning to delay the zuhur until it gets cooler. The sun is not right above your head. I don't know if you've ever experienced such heat ever, that if you go out, it's difficult to walk even. It's difficult to walk even. And if you're not wearing proper shoes, it's impossible to walk. Your feet will literally burn from underneath. Literally. I remember I was very young, and uh, there was this lady who had come to work at our house, and she was telling me, that where she used to live before, it used to get so hot in the summer that they would take a rock, leave it out in the sun until it would become so hot that they would make a very thin chapati, bread, and they would put on that rock. And it would literally cook. Because these people were so poor, they couldn't afford firewood. They couldn't afford it. So they would wait until that time of the day when it would be extremely hot so they could cook their bread. Imagine. So that the cars, even they get so hot, it's difficult to open the car doors and you have to leave the windows and doors open for some time, turn the cooling on, and then go and sit inside. Otherwise, you would literally get overheated because it's extremely hot. I remember once after school, my father, he picked us up and there was a tape, you know, a cassette. It was on the dashboard and it had melted. It had melted because of the heat of the sun. So in this country, we don't experience that kind of heat but in other places of the world, there is a lot of heat, especially at this time. So, al-ibradi bil-zuhri, delaying the zuhr prayer until it is cooler. When? Fi shiddatil har. Is it necessary for us to defer the zuhr prayer? No. You can pray. But if a person is outside, and they have to stand under the sun in order to pray, or the place is not air-conditioned, or the ceiling is not proper, then in that case, you can wait until that heat has calmed down, it's become cooler, then inshallah you can pray Zuhur Salah. And this is Masnoon. This is according to the Sunnah of the Prophet Now, from this bab onwards, the timings of the prayers will be mentioned. And Imam Bukhari begins with Zuhur Salah, not Fajr. Why? Because the first prayer which the Prophet performed was Zuhur Salah. The first obligatory prayer. He would pray from the beginning. But after salah was made fault, zuhur salah was the first one which he performed. And in hadith also, which is in Muslim, we learn about the timings of prayers that the Prophet ﷺ mentions and he begins with salat al-zuhur. حَدَّثَنَا أَيُوبُ بْنُ سُلَيْمَانَ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا أَبُو بَكْرٍ عَنْ سُلَيْمَانَ قَالَ الصَّالِحُ بْنُ كَيْسَانَ حَدَّثَنَا الْأَعْرَجُ عَبْدُ الرَّحْمَانِ وَغَيْرُهُ عَنْ أَبِي هُرَيْرَ وَنَافِعٌ مَوْلَى عَبْدِ اللَّهِ بْنِ عُمَرَ عَنْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ بْنِ عُمَرَ أَنَّهُمَا That both of them, who? Abu Hurairah and Abdullah bin Umar. Because two chains have been mentioned over here. So both of them حَدَّثَاهُ They both narrated to him. عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم from the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم that أنه قال that he said إذا اشتد الحر when the heat is intense فأبردوا 
then delay the prayer فَأَبْرِدُوا عَنِ الصَّلَاةِ Delay the prayer until it gets cooler. Why? فَإِنَّ شِدَّةَ الْحَرِّ Because indeed intense heat مِنْ فَيْحِ جَهَنَّمْ is from the blast of Jahannam. Scorching heat is from the blast of hellfire. Meaning, it is a taste of hellfire. Scorching heat. So it is not correct that a person is praying and he should be made to experience the punishment that people will experience in hellfire. Because in hellfire there is what? Extreme heat. So a person should not be made to pray in such a situation where he is going to be extremely hot. So this is why he said that defer the prayer until it is cooler. Because it's impossible for people to walk outside and go to the masjid to stand. Because remember that the floors were not carpeted. You know how the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ was. The ceiling was also made of what? Branches of palm trees. حدثنا ابن بشار قال حدثنا غندر قال حدثنا شعبة عن المهاجر أبي الحسن سمع زيد بن وهب عن أبي ذر قال he said أذن مؤذن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الظهر the مؤذن of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم pronounced the أذان for صلاة الظهر فقال so he said أبرد أبرد wait wait until it's cooler أو قال انتظر انتظر wait wait أبرد means wait until it's cooler انتظر meaning wait وَقَالَ And he said, شِدَّةُ الْحَرِّ مِنْ فَيْحِ جَهَنَّمْ Scorching heat is from the blast of Jahannam. فَإِذَا So when اشْتَدَّ الْحَرُّ When the heat is intense, فَأَبْرِدُوا عَنِ الصَّلَاةِ Then delay the prayer until it is cooler. حَتَّى Until he said that the Prophet ﷺ told him to wait until رَأَيْنَا فَيْأَ التُّلُولِ Until we saw the shadows of Tulul. What are Tulul? Small hills. So small hills until we saw their shadows, that is when the Prophet ﷺ allowed him to give the adhan, and that is when the salah was performed. حدثنا علي بن عبد الله قال حدثنا سفيان قال حفظناه من الزهري عن سعيد بن المسيب عن أبي هريرة عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إذا اشتد الحر when the heat is intense, فَأَبْرِدُوا بِالصَّلَاةِ Then delay the prayer until it's cooler. فَإِنَّ شِدَّةَ الْحَرِّ مِنْ فَيْحِ جَهَنَّمْ Because indeed intense heat is from the blast of Jahannam. وَاشْتَكَتِ النَّارُ And the hellfire complained إِلَى رَبِّهَا to its Lord. فَقَالَتْ So it said, يَا رَبِّ O my Lord, أَكَلَ بَعْضِي بَعْضًا Parts of me have consumed other parts. Because fire, it is such that it consumes fire. So parts of me have consumed other parts. فَأَذِنَ لَهَا بِنَفَسَيْنِ So its Lord allowed it with two breaths. نَفَسَيْن Two breaths. نَفَسٍ A breath فِي In the intense summer. وَنَفَسٍ And a breath فِي In the winter. فَهُوَ So it أَشَدُّ Intense the most intense, ما تجدون, what you find, من الحر, from the heat. وأشد, and most intense, ما تجدون, what you find, من الزمهرير, from the cold. Meaning, when you experience intense heat of the summer, and intense cold of the winter, so you're talking about a day in the summer when they have a heat alert, and a day in the winter when it's extremely cold, Extreme weather conditions. What do we learn from this hadith? That this is the breath of hellfire. This is the release of extreme temperatures from the hellfire. So when we experience extreme weather conditions, yes, this is a time to you know be careful and, and protect your body, overdress yourself so that you are safe. However, this is also a time to seek protection from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And seek his forgiveness because this is a reminder of how hellfire will be. This is a warning rather of how hellfire will be. So anytime that it gets extremely hot, extremely cold, and you see that the people around you, you know, they're talking about the weather, it's necessary that we remind each other. Extreme cold is also a punishment. Because like for instance, the jinn, they're made of fire. So how will they be punished in the hellfire? Iblis for instance, how? How will that happen? Scholars have said that this is from the, that their punishment will be from the intense cold of the hellfire. Zamharir. And in Jannah, these two are not there. No heat, 
extreme heat and no extreme cold. Just moderate temperature. So in this dunya, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes us experience these two extremes at two different parts of the year in two different ways, this is really a warning and a reminder. So we should seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's protection. حدثنا عمر بن حفص قال حدثنا أبي قال حدثنا الأعمش حدثنا أبو صالح عن أبي سعيد قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أبرد بالظهر wait until it is cooler for ظهر فإن شدة الحر من فيح جهنم because intense heat is from the blast of جهنم تابعه سفيان ويحيى وأبو عوانة عن الأعمش now remember that it is not necessary to defer ظهر prayer Always. It is only when it's extremely hot. So when it is extremely hot, then yes, Zuhur can be deferred. And from this we learn that if it is extremely difficult for the people to come at a particular time and perform the Salah, then within the time frame, the Salah can be performed at a time when it is most convenient for the people. Because at that time, it was difficult for the people to come in intense heat. So this is why the Prophet ﷺ said, Abridu. People can actually walk. They can actually stand. They can actually touch the floor and do such the property. So just like that, if there are some other things that can create inconvenience for the people, then that should be kept in mind and the time prayer should be fixed accordingly. So that it's easy and feasible for the people to come in prayer in congregation. Ideal is right at the beginning. But it can be later as well. If that is easy for the people. But if it doesn't make a difference, then it's best to perform salah as soon as the time enters. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.